Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Be, Be Open and Authentic with Rohit. Today we have a Googler in home. So I'm obviously excited about the conversation and I've always been curious to learn more about Google, the culture within Google and the excitement of working on such an impactful project. So I think today is my opportunity to learn more. And I also want to decode the culture and also the hiring process in Google so that many people can learn from it and can use it in the, you know, in the, in the companies or in their own workplace, or if they want to get into Google, maybe this is also the place to get started. Cool. Uh, and I thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited and looking, looking forward to it. Thanks. Thank you. Excited yeah. to be here as well. Thank you. Uh, and, and can you start with a, uh, you know, little, little introduction about yourself and maybe your, your journey to Google as well? Yeah, sure. So hi everyone. My name is Aditya Shah and I've been at Google for a little over five and a half years now. I've been with the search team the whole time and yeah, it's been a tremendous journey, right? So in fact, you know, one, one sort of cool fact is that this is my first and only job. So I have no experience of the rest of the world, you know, how it operates. Like, this is my only point of reference, right? So I won't be able to make any contrast here, but then I can give you my perspective on how Google operates. Cool. Yeah. I, I, and I was saying your, you know, when, when you mentioned Google, uh, you know, I was always keen on comparing how, you know, with, with other companies, but here we don't have that context, but also, you know, good to gain a newbie's perspective or, you know, right. really narrowed perspective about the Google as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, so, you know, since, I mean, this is your first job, so just, just curious to understand how you were, you know, able to ace the interview and, and get that job offer, right? Uh, particularly, I know how hard it is uh, because I, I went through similar process, but not to the Google uh, at uh, an Amazon. It's the same process, but the complexity and, and the percentage of people who can crack the Google interview is significantly low, like even compared to other uh, FANG companies, right? So just want to understand the process that you followed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very interesting journey for sure. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. So yeah. I was doing my master's in CS at University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And, mm-hmm. you know, like all of my, you know, the batchmates, I was looking for an, a summer internship. And I, I, I might have applied to like probably 50 or 100 companies at that point. And it, it didn't look like, like I was I was not even getting interviews from most of them. You know, and then I, I had like over the winter break, I had just applied to Google careers website and I was interested in the internship, uh, you know, the MS PhD internship. And so I had just applied there and I, to be honest, I had no hopes of ever hearing back. Yeah. And, and, you know, on my part, like one fault was I, I didn't think of getting a referral from one of my seniors, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I should have done that. That would have made yeah. the process a lot simpler, but I, I just didn't remember to do that. And then. I remember like in January, I got this email from Google that they are coming to campus for recruiting and they would love to interview me. And that was obviously oh, nice. like, you know, growing up in India, obviously like, you know, Google is one of those dream companies yep. to work for. It was, it was an amazing moment that, okay, they yep. would at least interview me. And I was not even getting many interviews at that point. Now, one thing 
to know about Google is that they're notoriously slow in their hiring process. I think that's true even now. Okay, they're very slow. I don't know why. It's just the way that the process is set up, yeah. right? And so I, I remember they, they came to the campus sometime in February. We had like two round of interviews on campus and, and they were, I, I think they went all right. They were pretty nice open-ended discussions, some mm-hmm. algorithmic, you know, like DSA type problems. And then I remember that my recruiter reached out and he said that, okay, maybe one of the interviews didn't go as well as I thought it did because they needed one more round to get the final signal on hire or no hire. And so at that point, they did two more rounds of phone interviews. And then finally, they said, okay, good to go. Okay, yeah. now, now the hiring process in Google, especially if you go by the internship route, right? It's just clearing the tech interviews does not guarantee that you'll get an internship mm. because what needs to happen is like after you clear the tech interviews, you're put in this pool of uh, candidates looking for an internship, yeah. right? But then there is this team matching phase, which needs to happen before you are extended an offer. And, yeah. and by this time, unfortunately, it was middle of March. So I was quite <laughs> late to the game. Like a lot of yeah. the summer internship positions have, had already filled up. Like I, I was a graduate student instructor at the time and the course that I was GSIing for, like it had an undergrad instructor uh, as well. So it was like a guy in his fourth year and then mm-hmm. he had already gotten an internship in Google. And so mm-hmm. when I mentioned this to him that I cleared the tech rounds, but I'm waiting for the post match, like at, at some point he also was a bit, you know, he was like, okay, maybe it's too late. I don't know. Because I heard from my host that like pretty much all the positions were filled up. Yeah. And then I had worked, like I, I had taken this course on parallel computer architecture during my master's. And so some of the projects that I did there, apparently it gelled very closely with one of the intern projects that they had available. And so yeah. that host reached out to me. And said that I looked at your resume and and it looks like what you worked on, like kind of your project for that course is very similar to what we are working here. And so if you are interested, we would love to have you. And I'm like, okay, this is great. (laughs) Yes, finally. It was like almost a perfect match. Yeah. You know, it was was pretty nice. And and by this time, it was almost April. So at that point, like, I think the like remaining few positions were being filled. Yeah, and and this was in in the cloud team in Wisconsin, Madison. Oh, okay. So it was okay. not in the Bay Area. There was a very small <laughs> office in Madison. Of like when I interned there, it was only about fifty-five people. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now a fun fact, right? So Google is known for having its free food, right? But you only get a cafe with a chef if your office has more than one fifty people. Like you still get free food. But then you don't get a chef. Okay. okay? And so in that office, they had a contract where somebody would cook and they would deliver the food, like fresh, like it was still hot, but they would deliver the fresh food to the office and that's how your meals were served. So that's like a cool, fun fact there. But but anyway, so it, it was an amazing internship. Over the summer, I worked in cloud. I worked on those, uh, on that project, which dealt with file systems. I don't know how much more I can talk about it, but anyway, it was like six years ago. It, it dealt with very fast in-memory file systems, which gotcha. would be used to back products like BigQuery, 
Mm. right because like disk is too slow for it yeah and so they were developing it and so i was part of that project i worked on a feature there and then we so we used to have this nice uh, club going where we would play table tennis every day like half an hour before lunch okay and then <laughs> yeah. it was a pretty nice close knit group and nice. then about a month before the internship ends you go through your final conversion interviews if you are interested Mm-hmm. and so at that point they assign you randomly to interviewers pretty much from the same office because they want to keep it local yep. and it turned out that one of my interviewers was one of the buddy from that table okay. tennis group <laughs> you know sure. and it just okay i i i'm going to say he didn't you know he didn't like show any favoritism or anything like he, <laughs> he asked pretty hard sure. questions but there yeah. was just another nice because once you have a rapport with a person it's it's yeah, a lot it's... easier right like with the it's... other person like I had met him a few times but I didn't know him or, like very well so when yeah. he was interviewing me I was a bit nervous but with yeah. the other person I was like oh I I know this guy I play with him every day cool. so we had those two conversion interviews and then again that happened like last like in in August like pretty much the mm. last two weeks of August yep. and then again so the hiring process is extremely slow right and yep. so waiting 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 I finally heard back from the recruiter in end of September that uh okay your case has moved to the hiring committee the hiring committee has approved your case but again that does not guarantee an offer <laughs> oh now it God. has to go to the executive committee okay now yeah. he, now now this is what he says that okay in most cases the executive committee will do whatever the hiring committee has suggested but there are cases where they might <laughs> go opposite to the suggestion i'm like why did you actually <laughs> that <laughs> exactly you know and then yeah. right and then yeah. like one thing to note is that these committees right they are not dedicated committees as such they're just yeah. engineers and directors who <laughs> yeah. have a full time job in google this is something of a volunteer work yeah. and so because of that it's slow because they they really can't meet every so often they only meet like maybe once or twice a month to look at all the candidates right and so it was yeah. pretty much another month before i heard back from the recruiter where he gave me the good news that my conversion has gone through and yes at that point i was officially going to get an offer cool now now one difference with the full time approach is that in the full time approach at least that's how it was when i joined and they keep on changing so i don't know if that's yeah. how it is right now but then they give you an offer and then about a month before you are supposed to join they try to conduct team matching yeah. so you are guaranteed an offer but then the exact team depends like so it depends on which teams have open head count yeah. right by then so so that that is so that's a whole different story i don't mm-hmm. know if i went too long but yeah this was my journey no, that, that's that, that's cool um and and you know the interesting part here is um i think that's the only company that you applied and interviewed for or not applied just interviewed for right uh, did you interview for no, many other i mean companies? for internship No, for internships, yes, I apply. I, I interviewed with Facebook. I interviewed, oh. interviewed with Apple. I interviewed with Nvidia. It didn't happen gotcha. anywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. And and I think you know, uh, normally as an international student, um, people I have seen people are playing for like five hundred or even thousand jobs. Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So, and and it's very interesting that your the your project on resume played a role in getting the offer because. that that at least at big companies i don't think that happens normally because i mean it, they just 
allocate you to a certain team or you know they just pick some some you know they don't really dive deep into the resume to to pick candidates at least as far as so i have I, seen i think that's true for the full time job but for internships see because in some sense uh, internships are a net negative for the company right because yeah. they are putting in more resources than they yeah. are getting out from the intern and so in yeah. that case i think they are a bit more cautious to ensure that the intern wouldn't need a lot of hand holding mm-hmm. and then they at least have some background in in sure. the project that they are trying to recruit for for full time yeah. i fully agree with you yeah 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 that might make sense um but getting an offer in march i or april i think that's too uh rare because you know even my brother you know he applied for he got an intern amazon offer but he got into the pool in december but he couldn't make it mm. uh to the final list of candidates because uh, they're already full and december and now you're wow. talking march and april that that's that's cool and and uh, you know glad glad things things worked out uh, that that's that's great absolutely and, and, yeah like i wouldn't recommend this like I, whenever i talk to you know like students who are like starting masters i i definitely tell them start applying to internships as soon as you get here Agreed. you know don't wait for the next semester because it's an uphill battle definitely yeah but if you uh, want to get a full time uh without you know in an internship or uh without any work experience even that's that's going to be super challenging uh in even to amazon yes. or many companies i think getting internship is the you know best thing that you can uh, that you can expect i agree uh, uh yeah, if if Because not and, and you know what mhm hmm? go ahead no sorry i'm i'm saying like in in some sense it it also makes a lot more sense to me right yep. because in like when you just interview someone like for 5 hours for a full time role it's like yeah the resume gives you some signal now as you said for people who have no work experience uh yep. they don't have a resume as such but then no matter how good they are like 5 hours is not a good amount of time to really judge someone but unfortunately that's the best we have yep. like, i can't think of something better i know right yep. but then in an internship those conversion interviews definitely count Agreed. but then those 3 months that i worked in right like that's yep. the main signal here Agree. Like how am I able to adapt to the team and new technologies? Yeah, exactly. Um, that also gives you know enough time for people to judge you for a for a full time role. And even though the, if exactly. that's a net negative for the company, in a way that is working out well for them, so that they can hire better engineers in, in the long run. Yeah. I mean, in yeah. some sense, it's in every company's interest to actually convert a large number of their interns. Otherwise, they're just wasting resources. Exactly. Right. Uh, Now, obviously, they don't want to convert people who are not qualified. Yeah. But yeah. If not, and, and even full time is is uh, you know for a fresher is mostly a gamble, right? Uh, without internship, particularly yeah. because. You know that that's another reason I you know at least I heard uh, you know Amazon has you know a lot of students out of college, but they also have uh, mm. you know uh, this process called you know performance improvement plan <laughs> that they go through if, if they don't okay. perform well uh, because I, see. I mean I, I I can see why uh, because the numbers that come in out of the college are very huge. so and and most of them mm. may not even have internship experience so i think there is good churn rate at, at that level and and I, and i kind of understand why um, that happens cool uh, and and coming to the interview process right so you said you know couple of mm. dsca questions um, but mm. 
that might sound simple, but that needs a lot of preparation and practice. So how many hours yes, did you put does. into it and, and what was your, you know, learning process or okay. the resources that you used? That's, hmm. no, I think that's a very good question. And, and you know what, I, I think my answer might run very antithetical to a bunch of answers you might have heard on this podcast, yep. which is like a lot of people, what they do, they get lead code premium and they'll solve like a thousand questions on it. And by the end of it, they're proficient enough that they will, you know, crack the interview. In my case, to be honest, I didn't practice questions that way at all. So Mm -hmm. I was fortunate again. So going back to my masters, right? So I took this advanced data structures and algorithms course in my second semester Mm -hmm. and, and the, and, and the professor that was teaching it, he was so amazing that like he really inculcated a really nice way of thinking about these problems, Mm. right? Like where I didn't have to really go through a lot of problems to kind of understand how to solve them, but it's kind of a way of thinking, like how do you really approach this and then break it down so that you you are able to solve it. And I I, I feel like that course really helped me a lot during my, and, and I found this great book called Programming Interviews Exposed, I believe it's called. Mm. Okay, so I found this book and then I pretty much read it cover to cover. Gotcha. Okay. And and the thing is that it's it's like the, the starting chapters are very simple. They're like strings and arrays and, you know, sets and stuff like that, which is very basic. Yeah. But then I personally found that before an interview, just reading the whole book, I mean, the book is what? I think it's like 200 pages. And then if you already know it, then you can read it like very fast cover to cover in a day. So that has, that was my ritual back then before any interview, I would again, read it just to refresh, even though I knew it, but this is just to keep everything fresh in my mind, like all those concepts. And so my approach has always been foundation building. It's not about solving N or N plus one problems. It's about, is the foundation strong enough that I can attack any problem that's been my you know my approach to this whole thing cool that, that that's great to hear and and i think this is one of the rare times that have been you know i heard this uh you know process as well because exactly and and you that's one thing because you had such an amazing professor who actually helped you how to think to solve those problems as well right but and I, then particularly you yeah. know in, in most of the universities are in you know in most of the master degrees um that that does not happen uh, you know, I'm, I'm that kind yeah. of, you know, uh, I had to follow the same lead court process, you know, I had to do I the see. green, the, you know, I had to learn because I mean, I'm also, uh, you know, I, I also didn't have a CS degree, uh, by the way, but even I people see. who had CS degree had to do the same process, but, mm. but curious to, you know, understand the, what, whatever the professor taught you or the approaches, you know, taught the, mm. the professor, have you seen those, you know, anywhere else, or uh, if I want to learn more about his way of teaching or his way of approaching the problem. Is there any way uh, that I can go and refer? I mean, the closest I've seen, or that might even be a bit better, you know, are these MIT open courseware uh, lessons that you'll find on YouTube, right? Gotcha. So these are by MIT professors and they teach you all sorts of concepts and the way they teach it, it's it's like they make it so simple, right? I mean, it's it's nothing new. If you think about it, it's, like, I, I don't know if you know about this book, CLRS. This is like the yeah. Bible of data structures and algorithms, right? Taught in yeah. every university on earth, if you are yeah. in a CS course, right? Yeah. And then if you read the CLRS, 
I mean, it's still the same concept, but it, the, the way that it's being presented, right? The way that students are being encouraged to think about the problem. I think that really helps you. Just reading it, maybe that does it for a few people. But I yeah. guess for most people, you need that lucid instruction in Agreed. order to really understand the, cons, the, the content. Yeah. Exactly. I think, you know, I'm one of those persons who needs instruction, you know, some, some level of, you know, instructions are guide, you know, or, yeah. you know, process to learn it because I, I, you know, I've looked at the CLSR, but it's all, I also felt that it's a little more overwhelming to start with because I mean, I'm learning most of things from scratch, but if I, I think that would have been a different case if I had a little more, you know, structure or uh, guidance to it, I guess. Um, but yeah, cool. Uh, thanks for uh, sharing these resources. Uh, this is pretty helpful. Um, yeah. And, <clears throat> and also, uh, do you, do you interview people at, at Google currently or, or you don't? I do. Yeah. I do. Cool. So is, you know, is, is the process same in the sense that if you have a good understanding of DSCA and uh, I know you also want to show Googliness, I, which we'll get into later, but just want to understand <laughs> how, the, how the process is, what people normally go through. Yes. So, okay, now let's talk about the other side, right? Where I'm the interviewer and then I, yeah. I'm interviewing poor souls. <laughs> to yeah. get into Google. Yeah. Uh, well, I, again, the, the questions that I choose are, again, it's like if you have good foundations there, then you'll be able to solve them. See, I don't like those flashy questions, which can only be solved if you really know the trick to them and not if, because there are a lot of those questions, you know, see, I know, first of yeah. all, you have to understand interviews are these 45 minute blocks. That's it. Yeah. Right. You don't have unlimited time. And, yeah. and like in those 45 minutes, there's so many questions where if you either know it or you don't know it because yeah. you don't have enough time to figure it out. And I hate yeah. those kind of questions. I agree. So I have a repository of questions that I ask depending on the level of the candidate who is interviewing. And then exactly. I have a few questions in my repertoire. And, and yeah, I just, I just keep it simple that the foundations can really help you. That's another thing which I've seen, you know, it's like there's this reputation of fan companies that the problems are always going to be very hard. I know, and yeah. so I've seen people trying to over-engineer the hell out of really simple questions. Where, where, where the concept itself is very simple. You're supposed yep. to look at a set or a vector and they're thinking of, okay, maybe I should construct a graph here. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? There's no need for constructing a graph here. You're yep. overthinking this. True. But, but if it's Google, I think I'm supposed to use graph here. <laughs> yeah. But that's the incorrect thing. Yeah. Because think about it this way. If anything, okay, I, I have no experience about other companies, right? But in Google, the... When, when you're writing code, you know, the most important thing that comes up is code readability. It trumps yeah. everything else, right? Yeah. When you have millions of lines of code up being operated upon by hundreds of thousands of engineers, if you, so let's say if you write hyper-efficient code, but it's not readable at all, the next engineer who comes on that project would have no clue what you just did there, yeah. you know? So readability trumps everything else. Yeah. Then the next thing is obviously efficiency. You have to keep it as simple as possible. Like if you over-engineer that, because yeah. in that at that scale, it's literally thousands or if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I can give you like a nice a little bit anecdote here, which is in search, like in in the last 
few years, at least three years or so, we started having these weeks where you don't work regularly, but then you just sit and you try to make things better. It's like, you see, can, can I make this code run a bit better? Can I make it more yep. efficient? You know, yes. can I cut down this unnecessary code? Because this code is running on so many machines yeah. that even a 0.01% improvement translates to a lot of like actual dollars. Yep. Right. In terms of both the capacity, you know, and as well as the running and operational costs. That's nice. Yeah. So again, sorry, getting back to the interviewing part. So, so my point is that my advice to people is always like, keep it simple, but I would also caution them. So, so Donald Knuth, right? The famous CS uh, scientist, like computer mm-hmm. scientist. He has this really great quote that the enemy of like sort of perfection is like premature optimization. Or sorry, yeah. actually the quote is the premature optimization is the root of all evil. Sorry, that's <laughs> the actual quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I again see people who like try to really think of, okay, how can I optimize it before they even start writing code? You know? So going into the interviewing part, like when I give you a question, first of all, you are supposed to ask a lot of questions. So this is something which I think is nice to get out. Most interviewers will leave the questions intentionally vague because good candidates will ask clarifying questions. That's a must, right? Because a good engineer has to gather all the requirements before really starting a project. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's one thing which I would encourage people to do. It's like, ask questions. There's no dumb question. Like ask yep. clarifying questions, make no assumptions because the yep. moment you make an assumption, I make a note in my, you know, pad <laughs> that okay, the candidate Indeed. made this assumption, even if it's a right one, they can't just make it. That's my point. Exactly. Okay? exactly. Then the second part is that think about it for some time, but then start writing some code. Okay, like mm-hmm. I see people who keep on thinking and thinking, and then they never put any code down. See, in yep. the end, what I think what most companies, including Google, are looking for is not that you you were able to write perfect code, but then we want to test everything, right? We want to test yep. how well can you approach this problem, but also how are your coding skills? Yep. That becomes very important at like higher levels. Like it, in the entry level position at L3, maybe coding is not that important because you don't have enough experience. Yep. But let's say if you're interviewing at L4 or L5, then coding becomes very important because if you write really bad and unreadable code, that's yep. going to get you very low marks in the coding division. Yep. Agree. You know, so, so that's another thing. Like start writing some code. See, you can always improve it. Nobody's saying that the that you have to put it down in ink on paper. You know, It's like you're, you're mostly writing it on a computer or a whiteboard. Yep. You can yep. erase it, like write it down, then stare at it. I'm sure you'll see that there are some inefficiencies which can be refactored out. Refactor them. That's completely yep. fine. That's how most software development happens, right? No yep. engineer writes finished code on their first <laughs> try. Goes to exactly. so many times, like so so many iterations of improvement. Yep. True. <laughs> yeah, I can even I can't yeah. emphasize the enough import, you know enough on the importance of asking right questions and the clarifying questions, right? Yes. I don't think, in, sometimes, even if you know the solution, you you know, you might want, and people may jump into it, but that's not the way because 
you are expect you know candidates are expected to ask the questions and make sure that they are aligned on output with with the interviewer you know they are being graded on it <laughs> so, so yes yes yeah. so a, a very funny thing there so see like just as interview questions leak on the outside right like you have like if you google for it google interview questions you'll find many sites which yep. give you all those questions those questions are actually being tracked on the inside and then if it reaches a critical mass then we kind of yep. ban them we we ask mm-hmm. interviewers not to use them <laughs> but gotcha. then what some interviewers do is that they tweak it slightly yeah tweak it a little bit so now least. if right tweak it a little bit whether the solution becomes quite different but then yeah. on the surface it looks pretty much like the same problem and if yeah. you don't really ask those question if you jump in it you're going to end up doing the incorrect thing <laughs> exactly yep 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 it's, it's like you know you know the solution and you want to you know <laughs> quickly jump into it then yeah. it it, it might backfire that's a very big red flag <laughs> exactly. somebody yeah. does that that's a big red flag they are not getting hired at least not exactly. by that interview <laughs> Ex- exactly <laughs> and and obviously um because uh, i mean i mean it, it gives many red flags uh, but yeah we don't have to get into this but uh, yeah and and uh, right. this is the most important thing for any candidates entering at google i guess you know make sure you even if you know the answer or even if you know have you seen the question double check double verify that that is exactly what you know you what you've seen <laughs> you know yeah. what actually th- that happened with me actually during one of my conversion interviews you know mm-hmm. whether the interviewer asked me a question that i actually knew the answer to mm. and i i think the correct policy there is to let your interviewer know it's completely fine to know the answer to it. like don't feign ignorance and you know try to show that oh you are working it out because interviews are not stupid you know they can yep. figure it out and that does hurt your chance if you know the exact answer to that question you should just let the interviewer know and in my case the interviewer like like he he basically told me show me Like he was fine with that, right? But then he yeah. wanted to see whether I'm making a mistake or not because I gotcha. could have I could have told him that I know the answer when in fact I don't, you know. Yeah. So so I I mm-hmm. think it's nice to be upfront about that. True, but it's also you know uh, your chance, right? People can take it differently because what if if you know if you you know confess it and if they change the question, the possibility that you may not know is also high. so why would i have to i mean it's the right I, policy but it's also hurting my chances that right there right again it depends i fully agree with you it, it depends on the context there I, i i absolutely agree with you right if you know yeah. it then why would you hurt your chances but as i said if you mess up there's a very good chance that you will catch on to the fact that you already know the answer you already know it yep. and that also doesn't help your chances so exactly do what you yeah. feel doing like i guess yeah unless unless you can really act it out um it's it's easy to figure out that you have seen that question based on the way you asked the question yeah. out uh, cool. exactly uh yep yep uh, and and thank thanks for uh, sharing all this information i quickly want to move on to few few other things sure um and i also want to get into the term of googliness which is really uh, i think <laughs> vetted a uh, topic or most you know uh, yeah. uh, topic about but i'll i'll pause on it a yeah. little bit uh, we'll bring it up later so okay. and and about the search team you know uh, mm. i mean it google is all about search so getting on to the search team itself i think is is um, very exciting uh, i'm i'm sure so can you give us some more insight into the you know how search works and and how many teams are behind it and and how oh, many engineers uh, are behind it because if you look at prime and you know, i work for prime 
even if it seems you know if it seems like simple or like simple membership management but on the be on the back end there like hundreds of teams supporting it one or the other way yeah. and 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 for me because i i also like you know look at this way right we are only working on you know very small or tiny part of the project that we, you know it has a greater impact but still it's not it's still a tiny part of it so i just want to understand how it is on the search how many uh, you know what 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 goes in the back end yeah that's a very big question i guess sure. massive you know area to cover yeah. okay let's yeah. start from some of the basics right so search mm-hmm. team is obviously i would say one of the two more two core teams at google right search and ads such an complementary yeah. and they go hand in hand but yeah. note that they are kept separate on purpose so i want to point that out right that mm-hmm. ads is not part of search and neither is search part of ads technically yeah. the development that happens is completely uh, par- like parallel and rather orthogonal to each other you know where like search folks are not going to ask ads folks that if we launch this how is mm-hmm. it going to affect revenue in some sense and mm-hmm. vice versa so i think that's nice and that was a very conscious decision made by the mm-hmm. founders because you know once you start putting that dependency then you start optimizing just for that ad revenue agree you know, and at that point the the quality of search would go downhill very fast agree so obviously like google is a company it's not a charity it needs to earn money but the point is that keeping their objectives different is a very conscious choice agree yeah. i totally agree right and and as far as the search team goes i i don't know the exact figure but i would say something like 8 to 10000 people like all in all really work on search i don't know how many of them are actually engineers because you mm-hmm. have a lot of other like pms and support sure. staff as well but all in all it's about 8 to 10000 people work on search well. and in terms of the organization like obviously the one massive part like there are many sub teams within it right but like there are two main things in search in some sense like there is the the algorithm right like how yep. given a query how do we rank documents right and yep. then the second part is the whole of infra which which yep. enables you to do this at this massive planet scale level uh, you know yeah planet scale essentially yep. because you have you have to serve I, th- i think the latest search qps was in the millions right so when you have to handle like millions of queries a second you have to yeah. really be careful about that okay. and and in some sense like some teams are a confluence of these two where let's say if you have a specific feature in search they would drive the development of the feature on the algorithm side as well and a part of the team would also be you know responsible for the infra and the serving as well there's some dedicated infra teams as well and all they do is ensure that all the components are behaving and then you have your reliability engineers right where mm-hmm. whose whole job is that search should never go down right i yeah. think that's something of a distinction which google i believe has don't quote me on it but i don't yeah. think it has really went down globally ever like there have been specific regions which have been hit sure globally google.com has never been down yeah know? i yeah and i in fact This is why it's an epithet, right? That if you want to check if you're connected to the internet, you go to Google.com because you know that Google.com will never be down. Exactly. If you can't connect to the internet, then it means your internet is some like something is wrong with your internet, <laughs> not Google.com. I agree. Okay. So yeah. so yeah, I think that's managing that is a big challenge. Sure. 
So, so it's infra team, uh, and obviously the algorithmic part of it and also the ads, right. I mean, ads is a separate entity. Cool. Yes. And, and, and how does, you know, I'm um, obviously a lot of effort goes into indexing or, um, yes, uh, I mean, yes. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, go, go ahead. in some sense indexing. Yeah. Sorry. Finish your question. Okay. Oh, go oh, ahead. Okay. Uh, no, no, so yeah. like in, okay. Okay. So indexing in some sense is again, a combination of the two, right? Because, mm-hmm. uh, you need to first like websites and web pages come in all sorts of flavors. So developing general purpose algorithms, which can just crawl, like look at the raw crawled HTML and, and basically pull out important things from the page and annotate them. That's important. And there are teams working on that. And the obviously teams, which are just working on the infra part, which is ensuring that you can actually crawl, you know, these many pages, right? I think the overall index at Google, again, don't quote me on the exact number, but it's in the hundreds of billions of documents. You know, like they've really crawled that many documents and they're all in the index, which, which they, they, they use to serve you results. Gotcha. Wow. That, I mean, I can totally see why, uh, that is, that has to be at that scale, but it's also crazy to manage, um, you know, those things, right. You have to have those processes in place and, and necessary guardrails because it should never be done because imagine Google being done for 15 minutes. I, I, I can't, I can't imagine. And particularly even for software developers yeah. <laughs> to be rely on Google a lot. And I think, I think this is a funny question right. being asked, right? What, what does Google engineers Google, <laughs> Google, uh, while, while they code, uh, like, right. right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Do, right. But in that case, I guess, I, I think all of our best friend is Stack Exchange right? sure. because in the end you'll use Google to get to the relevant page of Stack Exchange and that will give you the answer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So that, that that's a, a funny part. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And and uh, can you talk a little bit about you know your team? What your team does? What what has been your role yeah. so far? Hmm. So again, like I, I, I don't think I can talk to the exact specifics. Sure. But yeah. okay. So 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 the team that I work on right? Uh, that the broad name is search query understanding, right? And, mm-hmm. and so the charter is this, that when you get, when the user issues a query, there's a lot of interpretation, which you can add and attach to the query before you can begin matching documents, yeah. right? Like there's a lot of things which you can really infer just from the query, which is not just <laughs> spelt out. And so how do you do that? But then again, that the, Team name is a little bit of misnomer because I also work on projects which deal with the document matching part as well. So mm-hmm. as in a, like, I, I think one thing which I like about Google and especially search is that it's the, the command structure and the team structure is quite flat, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say if I am interested, let's say I, I, I see that something in indexing could be improved. And mm-hmm. then if I wanted to work on it, I could just work on it. You know, gotcha. like they, I, it's not that I don't belong to the index team, so I can't work on it. I can just like write up that code and send, you know, that patch to the indexing folks. And and if they like it, they'll approve it. And that's completely fine. Mm. Everybody's allowed to work on everything else in some sense. Right. And so like, like at the core, what my team works on is related to the basic, like the Google algorithm. And when we say algorithm, it's not like this one thing, right? It's this (laughs) very massive things split over 
thousands of files, you know, where yeah. each piece of code is doing its own thing. And the yeah. summation of that whole thing is what you know as google.com. Yep. So, I mean, that, that is true, uh, because typically when you think about all just algorithm in the mind, it's like mostly like one or two pages so like, Hey, that is so proprietary. You exactly. can't leave that out, but that obviously isn't the case. Um, and, and then that, that isn't you're... the case. It's, it's exactly. So, and, and, uh, you know, for example, as a, you know, as a software engineer, one thing that really excites me is the scale you know, of the product that I'm working on, what is the impact that it can create for the company or how many, you know, people it can touch. So, and for Google, I think that's uh, absolutely going to be massive. So is there any yes. one particular, you know, you know, accomplishment that you are really proud of or that you can say that, Hey, like so many people, you know, it impacted the performance with this much, or maybe so many people are using mm. this some or the other way. I mean, just curious to understand. Yes, I mean, I've definitely worked on projects which basically touch each and every search query, you know, oh. and so that's definitely something to be proud of, right? Where yep. like every query would run through the code that I've written. And that's a huge, you know, <laughs> sense of accomplishment in some sense, right? Exactly. That every time you go to google.com and you search for something, at least a part of the code that runs was written by me. Wow. Right. Uh, again, as I said, I don't think I can really disclose the individual projects yeah. as such. But as I said, like this is the main thing which really blows my mind. As I said, Google serves millions of queries a second and having yeah. my code run on each and every of those millions of queries per second is just mind blowing just, to me, just, even just, after five and a half years at Google. Exactly. And then yeah. in a way, your code is touching almost everyone's lives some or the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just everyone, you know, interact with Google is actually going mm. through, you know, your code to serve some, some information. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I like it. Wow. That's awesome. Great, great job on that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I want to get into this particular aspects of the nature of software development job because, uh, you know, it, it, certain companies I've worked in, um, you know, uh, some are ops heavy teams or some are banking sector jobs, which are very slow to move, but, you know, have to have certain, you know, approvals and, and, and things like that. So, and, and at certain companies, you have to be, you know, on call for, you know, so long, you know, that eventually annoys you. So, and, and certain companies have certain teams have this principle of, you know, you build it, you own it. Uh, but that might not always be true, you know, depending on the scale or, you know, of things that we are working with. So what is the process, you know, or what, what is the life of a software engineer at Google or in, in, in your team, you know, in a specific, it may, be, it, it may vary from team to team, but in general, like how does it go on a day to day or maybe weekly or monthly basis? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a kind of good question. So again, as I said, I, I have experiences from two teams, right? So one yep. is search that I've been with, with full time, and then mm -hmm. some experience from my internship in cloud. And mm -hmm. I can see there are a lot of differences there, yep. a lot of similarities, but a lot of differences there as well. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. So the first thing like is, you know, one thing which a lot of people don't know about Google is that there are no dedicated testing teams. 
Like yeah. I know at Microsoft and all engineers write their code and they submit it sort of, and then there are entire teams that just sit and test that code, you know, yeah. and then they have to figure out ways to break it. And that's how it passes it. And, and you know what, that might be a good system because in some sense you, you have an, you have an adversarial agent trying to break your code. Yeah. But in Google, the whole point has been that you as an engineer should completely own your code and that includes thoroughly testing it. Yeah. Right. So as, as an engineer, I write the code that I do, and then I am going to thoroughly test it myself and get code reviews. And, and believe me, those code reviews are brutal. Even after five years, I still get tons of comments. It's not like, you know, it's like, oh, this guy has been here for five years, just rubber stamp it. Not really. Yep. They're going to pick it apart and see if you can make it better. Now, in terms of a day in the life, you know, it's like a lot of my current work is actually... So, so see that the charter of my team is to make Google search better in some yep. sense. It's, it's a, it's a quite researchy role, right? Mm. Where once the projects have been decided, yes, you, you have a path forward, but then yep. after one project concludes, there is time of, ex there's just this time of exploration yep. where you don't know what you're really looking for, you know? So we have this internal form, like a Google form where any engineer can put in uh, instances where they think Google search performed suboptimally. Mm. Okay. So we collect those examples because we want to know where people are, you know, being unhappy. And then we have these weekly meetings where we, we, we sit together as a group and try to go through them and try to understand why mm. did we, first of all, is there a good result that we are not showing? And, and if so, why did, why were we not able to show that? And yeah. if then there are some queries where there is see Google, one thing that people forget is Google is a search engine. Yeah. None of the content that we show belongs to us. We didn't create yeah. any of the content, right? Sure. It only shows content that other people have created on the internet. And so sometimes it just happens that queries just don't have a good, you know, page that you can show. There's yeah. nothing you can show. And then, so how do you really handle that? Yeah. I think there is this statistic that about 15% of queries that googles.com sees every day is unique. It has never seen that in its 20 year history. Wow. I mean, very similar queries, but that, you know, yeah. that permutation of words has yeah. never been seen before. Wow. That figure is something like 15%. That's so, huge. So it's, it's a tough job, you know, people yeah. are really creative at asking Google <laughs> things. And then yeah. we have to make sure that we are able to adequately answer that, you know? Yeah. So coming back to my job. So as I said, it's, it's a bit researchy. So, you know, the project that I'm working on right now, there's a lot of prototyping happening. Like we're trying mm. to, let's say, improve the algorithm on some aspects. And so there's a lot of prototyping where we're just brainstorming ideas. And at this point, it's more like, you know, throwing mud at the wall. Like we'll yeah. throw a lot of mud at the wall and in the end we'll, we'll kind of see what sticks. Now, obviously it's being done in a bit smart way. It's being done yeah. in a very data driven way where, where, you know, you, you try some change and you see how it's going. And if it's not going, you abandon it. But if it's showing promise, then you figure out where didn't it perform well. Then you try to mm -hmm. tweak that until you reach a good enough state where you are happy that you will go for a launch. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes sense. And, and, you know, it's interesting all the prototyping happens and it, uh, I think I also like this idea about the form to see where, you know, how you can improve or where you can add value. I think that eventually okay. can convert into a project, right? That, that's cool. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, 
So in terms of the on-call or ops-heavy works that you have to do as an SDE, I think which no one can avoid anyway, uh, particularly since, I mean, I think you build it, you own it, so you have to write the test case and, and you know, all of the things are fine. But in terms of the supporting mm-hmm. your team's infrastructure, I know, you, I think you said you Google has this reliability engineers. Are there are the ones responsible yes. for all this on-call stuff or it's, you have to do some part of it? Or if yes, how does that work? Mm. So again, that, that very much depends from team to team. There are certain teams where, okay, so reliability engineers, all they kind of look at is, is the binary crashing or not? How is the traffic mm-hmm. behaving? You know, like mm-hmm. if the traffic is coming to a data center and for some reason, you know, some of the nodes of like, let's say some of the machines are being thoroughly saturated while others are not. They try to figure those things out and ensure reliability of the data center as a whole. Mm-hmm. Let's say if there is a bug in the code that somebody submitted, which I really yep. hope there isn't, but there, there are mm-hmm. cases, right? Yep. And then if that breaks, then it's the team's responsibility to fix that, yep. right? So so on specific feature teams, they have their own on-call rotation to ensure that their feature does not break. Now, luckily, the team that I'm on, we don't have such an on-call because mm. we, we just make changes to the, yeah, the, the actual, let's say, algorithm as such. And at least we are not responsible there, right? Gotcha. So there it's just more like, is the binary crashing or is it running? That's something that the reliability engineers take care of. Oh, okay. Good for you then. Uh, that I think that <laughs> there is not, that that saves a lot of time uh, and effort and uh, and all the headaches. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Cool. And 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 how how was it but in I your would... previous team? Um, the or go ahead. You were saying something in in internship. Yeah, May, you might not have hmm. been in, you know in the on calls, but yes. how was it for that particular team? Yes. That... The team definitely had on calls because as I said, it was this file system team. And so, yeah. I mean, okay, they didn't have any external clients, but they had internal Bad. clients, right? Like there were other big products which were relying on this. And so they, I, I, I remember they definitely had on calls and if something broke, they had to get on it and fix it because A, it's cloud, right? Yep. See in search, if you, if, if let's say if something breaks, then I mean, it's bad, but it's, in my opinion, it's not as bad as a cloud feature breaking because yep. there you have the whole enterprise involved and like they get upset, right? And, and rightly so, they're paying lots of money to yep. host their services on Google. Like it should never go down. Yep. So I think there it's a little bit more critical. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, particularly if you look at, you know, Netflix is completely on AWS. So if something goes wrong in AWS, it's mm-hmm. also, you're also taking away Netflix revenue there. Yep. Uh, so, it, and the responsibility is a lot more higher in clouds. Um, and yeah, cloud teams actually really struggle struggle with it um, quite a bit. Um, but, but yeah, cool. Good, good to know. Um, and, and when it comes to the innovation part of it, right? Or in the sense, you know, mm. being creative part of it, um, maybe the job, maybe the, you know, the services that you want to build, um, or some cool project that you want to do. You said it's it's all open, but is there any specific yes. process that you follow or like how, how is it normally? I think that's something which I also feel like in Google, there is no clear set, you know, norms there to be very honest. It's very team dependent. And I think people are just encouraged to do their own thing. Like one, one thing which I would note, at least in search, 
right? You have really common concepts in software development, like agile and scrum and all that, right? In yep. search, we don't have those things. There are no sprints or some such thing. Nice. Just take your time and you do it on your own, you know, like there are yep. no strict deadlines as such, right? You just want to yep. make sure that whenever your code reaches production, it's good. Yeah. And so the, I think the same thing can be applied to the innovation part as well, where it just depends on the, the engineer themselves. And I don't think there's really a strategy there, which the teams follow, right? Got it's just that. like, I mean, there, there are certainly some things which help spur it, I think. So yep. we have these various, let's say, paper reading groups, in fact, in Google where it's a different group of people and they'll just get together once a week, you know, if, if they have something to discuss, where one of the persons will present an interesting paper that they read. Mm. And then they'll try to go through like what was really written that paper. And then it, towards the end, they'll try to brainstorm, like, can we really apply this to search or any other product? Nice. Right? So that kind of spurs innovation, because let's say if I have not read that paper, but if I attend that meeting, and if I look at the presentation there, that might spark an idea in my mind, yep. right? And so that dissemination of information definitely helps. Similarly, we have kind of weekly, I mean, not quite weekly, but we have these presentations where like, especially for cross groups, right? Mm -hmm. Where a group will come and present what they're working on to a slightly like unrelated group. I mean, they're still yep. all part of search, but they're not yeah. directly associated with that feature. Like if they've done something cool recently, then they'll come and they'll present that. that see, this is what we worked on. This were the challenges. And then towards the end, they'll try to brainstorm. Okay, can we really apply these techniques to your team? And yeah. this in fact happens a lot between search and Google research, yeah. right? Where Google research will develop all these cool new, let's say language models. Like I'm sure you must have heard of this mum model that they launched, multimodal mm -hmm. Uh, multimodal uh, model that they launched, I think, sometime last year. And so that that came out of Google research, right? Mm. Where they trained this massive language model. In fact, it was trained in, you know, conjunction with my team. Like few folks from my team actually worked on it. But then that, that's, that's, I guess, how innovation happens behind the scenes. It's just by cross-semination. Yep, collaboration. And, and I've, and, I've actually yeah. seen... Right. I've seen a bit opposite in other companies where like projects are very siloed down and there's basically no interaction. I just mm -hmm. feel like this open culture is really nice because yeah, like, okay. yes, there is on some sense you are increasing your surface area of attack, right? Like let's say leaks or stuff like that. But on the other hand, you are, you know, the, the innovation pace can really be exponential. Exactly. Um, that, that's the benefit of being, you know, a little bit open, um, and, and collaboratively right. across other teams, across the company, right? Because right. innovation exactly. can come, come from any angle. So, and, and also how does this process work? Let's say I want to, you know, work on some cool project or I want to propose something to the leadership, you know, where they need to approve or, you know, things like that. So how does that work? Because, you know, the reason I ask is, you know, at Amazon, we have certain process like PRFAQ process, or we need okay. to write like six pager in the sense, I mean, depending oh, on the I scale, uh, right. depending on the scale of the project that mm. we are proposing, we have to, you know, do certain process. We have certain process and mechanisms in place that we follow mm. to make sure that that is being vetted uh, thoroughly um, and, 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 you know, things of that nature. So just want to understand whether you have, uh, you know, anything in we, Google like that. 
Yes, I mean, not quite that much, but okay, here, like, let's go through a hypothetical where I have a cool idea and I want to work on that, right? So I would first approach my manager and I would basically pitch him or her this idea that, okay, I, I have this idea. And even before I do that, see, Google is a very data-driven company. Okay? Mm-hmm. In the end, what matters are results, like the data yep. itself. So if I have an idea, obviously I would have toyed with it a little bit. I would have some proof of concept, some prototype, you know, very hacky, very small scale, but some sure. encouraging results. Then I'll go to the manager and the manager will look into it and they, they'll, they'll, and if they like it, then what happens is we call it a bullpen presentation, which is mm. this presentation to the search leads because it's like a bullpen, you know, they, they come at you like raging bulls. There are so yeah. many questions. Yeah. It's not really a presentation, but it's more of a discussion. discussion. You explain yeah. your idea, you show the initial, uh, you know, the, the observations that you have, the initial data, and then they have so many questions and really try to pull it apart. And then yeah. if you kind of survive that, then you get the go-ahead that, okay, this can become a formal project. Now, the thing mm-hmm. is that even if you don't survive that, that basically just points to a blind spot. Right? Yeah. I mean, all they'll say is, if, if they ask a question, if, if I can't answer it, all that means is that I haven't thought you know this through maybe as thoroughly as I thought. And they, they'll basically ask me to come back when I have an answer to those questions. And so once I have an answer, I'll go back to the same bullpen and then they'll have some other set of questions. It's in yep. some sense, it's like your PhD dissertation, right? <laughs> yeah. It will be kind of pulled apart until they are satisfied that you meet the requirements. At mm-hmm. which point, at which point the project is sanctioned. Now the mm-hmm. real development work happens, right? And yep. in the end, there is this whole process of launch approval where you, where you go through the implementation, you go through the experiments, you show the data yep. and metrics whether they align with what we want. And at the end yep. of it, if, if there are no other concerns, I mean, it obviously goes through legal and privacy and security and all those checks. Yep. And at the end of it, if it passes, then yes, you get launch approval, at which point it, you, you start productionizing your change. Gotcha. Nice. That, that, that's good to know. And then how fast can it happen typically? Because... I mean, I'm sure it depends on the idea and depends on how the committee thinks of it or questions. Let's say the idea is vetted to a certain extent. And and what is the pace of moving forward on the idea? It's the pace of the engineer. Right? In some okay. sense, see, you, you'll get a launch approval when you show some significant improvement in some aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Now, now, whatever time it takes for you to do that, that is the time it will... See, once you have everything ready... It's pretty fast, right? Gotcha. Like you, you, there is this, we have an internal tool. You put in all the information that this is the change. You write the design document. You like, you write a launch report, which goes mm. over the, you know, the actual aspects of it, which is like metrics or the experiments you ran with support the hypothesis, because this is a search, right? So everything yep. is, it's like, everything is a hypothesis, but not yep. every hypothesis is a correct one. There yep. have been projects which have been, which, which, you know, engineers think is they're, they're logically so coherent, you know, they're yeah. very elegant projects, but then yeah. when you actually run experiments, you, you, it turns out that users hate it and they were never launched. Sure. Yeah. Even though in theory, they were very elegant projects, you know, yeah. so that happens. Gotcha. Cool. And, and, and is there any, any process that they force you to think from a customer standpoint or, or make sure that you are thinking the right yeah, way? Yeah. So. Yeah. So I think coming here, this might be 
a good segment to Googliness. Essentially, yep. the project needs to be Googly. Okay. Yep. And in some sense, it's like respect the user. Hmm. Okay. Like you want to respect the user. So that's something which, again, I, I just want to point out here, which is that I know people have this whole, you know, notion that Google doesn't respect people's privacy, especially search and all. Like it knows so much about you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, first of all, yes. I mean, it's a company. It has to earn money. It knows a lot about you. But yeah. one thing to note is that it knows about you in aggregates. Like, yeah. first of all, no engineer has ev- like can never get access to, you know, identify like PII, right? Personally yeah. identifiable data. Like no engineer yeah. can ever get access to that. So it's yes. like if somebody is paranoid that, okay, maybe some Google engineer can see what I'm searching <laughs> on. Not really. No engineer yeah. can do that. Sure. Very strict cards put in place, right? And so in that sense, I think at least in search, we do take privacy very seriously. Now, obviously, we, we try to data mine aggregates as a whole, you know, like when you consider a whole population of some people, what yep. inferences can we take from their interactions? And so, again, coming back to Googliness, it's more like respect the user. Mm-hmm. And I think there's also respect the opportunity. Like if, if you have an opportunity to use a technology to improve the product, you should just do it, right? Yep. So like you shouldn't think, I mean, one example is like language models, which, which yeah. if you see, then they're, they're very, like they're relatively very new to the game, yeah. right? Like these large language models, like GPT and all those, they only really have taken off in the last year or two. And yeah. yet they're already being deployed in all these products on a massive scale. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Gotcha. So, so it's, it's more yeah, that... I mean, there are definitely safeguards in place. Gotcha. So it's more that you know, um, thinking or, you know, uh, from a customer standpoint in uh, end of the day, that's what it is, but yeah. it's, it's more, I mean, the, I think the term Googliness is the key here. Uh, I think this is where I'm, I think I'm trying to uh, get more data on. So, so what, what exactly mm. is, or, uh, you know, how is it ingrained into your life on day to day basis or work? Okay, life, I think it's a little hard think it's a little hard to exhaustively define you know for for for, to be very honest for lack of a very better word it's like don't be an asshole okay (laughs) just do the right thing you know there's this un unofficial you know motto of google that don't be evil and people have started making jokes around it that they are evil but that's in fact the core of googliness which is that like do everything with the right intentions and in fact, yeah. that's what they're looking for, you know, in some sense, when you go for launch approvals, it's like, are yeah. you, are you approaching this from the right place? You know, mm-hmm. like don't be exploitative in some sense, yeah. do the right thing. I mean, as long as you can still earn money, why not? Yeah. So build, build for the customer. I think that's the core yeah. of it. Just don't be evil. Interesting. Especially okay. search, right? Yeah. So I know that there have been comments drawn with products like Stadia and all, where it's like, you know, they, they shut it down and it's horrible. I, I just want to point out one thing that Google, this is my personal opinion, like disclaimer, right? Yeah. Google is not a products company, right? Like Apple is a product company. Like yeah. They sell products. They don't sell software. They sell products. Yeah. Google is, I, I, that's my personal opinion. Again, like, I don't think Google is really a product company, like even in Android and all, right? Like the mm-hmm. pixel, let's say the phone itself, 
the, the yeah. maybe the hardware is not that great but it's the software yeah. like their strength is in the software part yep and so at least in the software aspect i think that they've always done good by the users the products are that's a mixed bag <laughs> to agree uh, and and that's where i was i was uh, you know trying to get to as well you know the um one is what the product aspect but before that you know just uh, concluding whatever you said so firstly you mm-hmm. know don't be evil and i think bill have right intentions yeah. uh, bill for everyone i think that's something that i read um and and make sure i mean obviously the impact is high uh, uh, and then make sure you are coming from a right coming with the right intention in the approaching in the right way maybe okay because exactly. in, yeah at amazon um, we have a very unique process i think mm-hmm. which is which led to so much innovation at amazon uh, you know we have this process called prfaq i'm not sure if you heard about it so it is doing the press release before even uh, in the sense not the actual press release but i see writing the, yeah writing the press release before even you even build it or begin start, the project before even begin the project before even writing a single mm. line of code and and i've done you know that personally for some other work that i wanted to do as well that you know i felt it so much you know i it's so great and it is very very powerful because and we don't have a presentation culture as well in a way because it's all documentation which gets sometimes you know which is annoying sometimes but i think that that i can totally see why it is has been you know so impactful so which also means that you yes. know if you're doing a press release you really need to refine your thoughts and press release cannot be more than like you know half a page right and you need to and you need right. to have anecdotes there and you need to clearly identify the problem that you're trying to solve which means that you really need to drill down your thought process and then and no work you are building in one liner which is very key and then everything is from you know these leadership principles right which most people kind of joke about uh, because but but the, those are you know very powerful you know from a company standpoint uh, may not always be from developer or employee standpoint to certain extent but from a company standpoint that has been you know great and particularly you know and and after the pr release and then in, there is this faq and this is a very exhaustive list of faqs you need to return and you need to think from mm. you know multiple stakeholder point of view customer standpoint you know you can for example if you just take a single product you can at least write like 100 faqs just right. because you have multiple stakeholders multiple products so which means it is very exhaustive and very draining to write it but it can mm. lead to so much you know clarification for all the stakeholders involved and i think that is also and that that gives you a little more data that you need and also you know fastens up the pace of innovation eventually so which which has been um uh, great that one thing that i really uh, observed at amazon or what thing that i really like about amazon you know in in this particular aspect so and and you know yeah, like I, i can see that yeah yeah that that's that's pretty cool and it makes so much sense but it's also not easy because and and we yes. have a certain trainings on how you want to write the prfaq and you know five ways and and from a customer standpoint from you know multiple stakeholders and even from customer standpoint you have like there, there is all you know things that you need to cover uh which is which is which is very amazing um 
i think mm. it deserves i think another one, one podcast that i might have to do that's still due on my end but but yeah so and, and <laughs> the reason that i want to drill down on the innovation is one mm-hmm. thing is you know it has been such a great company um, i mean google and right. want to understand how things are done you know internally so that we all you know everyone else can learn from it and the second point is i'm also not in a way too happy uh, with 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 uh, google's innovation uh, pace because <laughs> if you if you look at if you look at you know any company right particularly amazon mm. if if i you know um, maybe if i even if i own the amazon i wouldn't expect aws to come out of a retail company you see what i'm saying because aws such as cloud based company you really need to have such an open and innovative mind and processes in place to spin mm. off a cloud company altogether right I so agree. and now it's like almost you know it it will reach to a trillion dollar company at some point not just amazon just the whole cloud business altogether yes so and and when it comes to google i haven't seen in something like it from google and 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 even the products that i use you know google pixel or google buds are you know i would say half assed i mean i'm i'm a, such a google person i really you know i i think i have most of the google products that that are released so and i think innovation has even gone down right because even you know maybe self driving cars you know they, i mean it's, it has still been so slow i think they are just coming out in few cities now but just just curious to understand what what's, what's your take on it why is innovation so low? what are you guys doing i just kidding uh so that's what i'm saying okay no, no i i know i i fully agree with you there so see there is there is this innovation that you can see from outside and there is innovation that happens internally and they are very yeah. different things you know the internal innovation is very important but then the customers don't see it explicitly like they know yeah. that the product has improved but they don't see it explicitly sure so let's talk a bit about that so going back to the cloud thing i mm-hmm. i personally agree i think that was a big missed opportunity right like yeah. amazon like i think when amazon started cloud i i believe at that point the most like google had the most compute power of anyone on the planet i know i think it was something like that okay yep. and it's like amazon was selling just books at that point and they thought hmm we have some extra computers lying around why don't we rent it out to other companies right like google could have very easily done it right they built yep. this massive data centers but i guess they were just focused on building the search business that i guess see again i was not around yep. then i can sure. only speculate but but yeah at least in the cloud space it's like amazon has such a big lead and they have such a foothold in the market that i guess even from microsoft or google or any other cloud provider it's kind of hard to really break ground right yep. and i don't think there is such a radical you know feature that google might be able to offer that amazon could not even yeah. kind of you know because yeah. it's all software it's pretty open exactly okay. exactly so okay let's so cloud yes missed opportunity but let's talk about the other ones like let's say you you talked about pixel right as i said google is not a hardware company it's not a sure. product company but then if you look at the innovation that has been happening in android i think that's amazing right like android mm-hmm. runs on something like 3 billion devices in the sure. world right yep. nothing comes close to that right you yep. take this piece of software and and the in some sense i mean android is the windows of mobile operating systems 
you know, yeah. like Windows Mobile was not, but Android is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it has to run on, it has to run well on a thousand dollar smartphone, but it also needs to run well or decently well on a $40 smartphone that you can buy in India. You know, Agreed. like Android is almost just as powerful. Yeah. Building something like that also takes a lot of innovation. I think there has been a lot of innovation in recent times, especially in Android, in like computational photography, right? Yeah. And you have yeah. uh, like battery life and protecting people from malware. I mean, this is also innovation. But in sure. some sense, like let's say if you use it on a Google product, and if let's say the hardware doesn't match the software, then you might feel that it's a suboptimal experience. But yeah. all in all, there is definitely that there. Even consider Chrome, for example, right? It it started in, I don't know what, like 2007, 2008, and now it's the most dominant uh, web browser on sure. the planet, right? It offers you yeah. so much. Like, yeah, people joke that Chrome takes up so much RAM and all that, but the security features that they've built in, yeah. it's just amazing. And that just requires that much resources, unfortunately. Same sure. thing in search, right? As I said, we, we just had a paper come out of Google research two years ago on that language model. And then in just a year, they're basically, you know, pro they have productionized, productionized yep. it and it's being run on each and every query. I, I think uh, that that's pretty mind blowing innovation pace. I agree. It's, yep. it's not consistent and I'm sure that no company can do it in a consistent way. Sure. There will always be certain areas where innovation is going to be a lot faster than certain areas. And I guess that's yep. just the nature of life. Yeah. So, so what you're essentially saying is there is so much when it comes to the le product level, right? In the sense, you know, product is doing great. There is so much that's being added, we, which we, we may not always notice, right? Because we take so many things yes. for granted. <laughs> Let, let's be honest. Exactly. All the users take so yes. many things for granted and uh, obviously expect more. And now, you know, the uh, language, you know, models that you're talking about, right? So it's cool. And, and, and at least I didn't realize or I didn't think through that, hey, wow, this has been such a cool product that Google offered. Because for me, I think at least I'm, I think uh, I'm, I have been a little biased, I guess. I'm coming, you know, I'm approaching this question with a little more different uh, mindset of what is something radical that mm. Google has done, right? Because, okay, you improve this product, that's great. And, you know, Android has been great. I, you know, there is no doubt about it. But what is some right. new market that you created? You know, because I okay. mean, I, and I see, mm. I mean, I think that I'm coming from that standpoint, but I can, I totally agree with you in terms of the product so, improvements and so many other things. And I also like, you know, so all, you, all the, um, sorry, deep, uh, mind, uh, all the research that's going on within, exactly. you know, that's, that's crazy. I don't think anyone, you know, uh, can beat it, you know, anytime soon, mm. but mm. why are you into, you know, like not you, you, but. No, it's not being marketized well or it not it hasn't been productized well yet maybe we, we are not seeing it at the surface level maybe there is so much going on so, internally. so just curious to understand no, so I'll, I'll give you a very like i'll give you an example which i believe is public you know so deep mind so i know a lot of the problems that they work on are, are let's say let's say they don't have really commercial applications and that's yeah. fine right but like there was this kind of algorithm that deep mind worked on they trained an artificial intelligence to design the cooling system of a data center. And then hmm. it had savings over the traditional system that was being used. And I believe Google used that in one of their latest data centers, which brought down the cooling costs by whatever, 15, 17% a year. 
Gotcha. So it's like there are some applications, and now that is not like it doesn't have widespread implications where it's not a new product or a new yep. market, right? But there's definitely the school technology being applied to improve efficiency somewhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I agree. I think you, you are absolutely right in terms of products. Like if you think about it from a product perspective, maybe you are right. But if you just talk about the software improvements of existing products, I think there has been a lot there of is... innovation which has gone on there. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think it along like so many other users, I haven't been like clearly, yeah. cogniz- you know, consciously noting it. I guess you know I enjoy all these features. I enjoy you know really. So. Uh, mm. hmm? Right. So let me give you one more example. Sure. So in search, like the mum model, which I talked about this multi-model, mm-hmm. uh, multi-modal model, mm-hmm. what, like one of its, you know, really core strengths is that it can, okay. So up until now, the language models, they only like take in text and they can, let's say they can understand text, right? So queries are text documents are text and matching mm-hmm. them in some sense is in the textual realm. But then nowadays you have a lot of images, you have a lot of videos, right? You have YouTube and then you have TikTok and all those videos. And this is a model which was trained. It's multimodal. So yep. it can not only match queries to documents in the textual format, it can even understand images, it can understand videos, and yep. it can better match those queries to those results. Mm. You know, and I believe that's pretty innovative, right? Oh, that is. Yeah, there but... are completely different forms of media, and trying yeah. to make sense of them on on the same footing is very yeah. hard. Like comparing a video to another video is kind of easy, but comparing yeah. the video to a web page uh, is a little hard. Yeah, yeah. No, totally makes sense. I think, and and I can totally see the you know, amount of effort that goes in and all the innovation that goes into that particular model or, or how things are yep. built, you know, for it. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Um, th- thanks for you know being being a little more open about it. Uh, <laughs> I, I know we're also. You no, know, I mean I, this I, is hmm? right. This is all public information, so I think sure. I can say that it was actually exactly. announced by Sundar Pichai himself. So I'm, yep, yep. I'm not on the book here. <laughs> Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. In the sense that, you know, it's it also, it's not, sometimes, you know, some people may feel it's not, you're being attacked, you know, is what I'm saying. So it, it, mm. it you know, it's not, right? I'm just no. trying to understand. No, no. The Absolutely. Yep, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, thanks for it. You know, uh, you know let, I'll take a few more minutes if that's okay um, to wrap sure, up. Sure. Yeah. So, and... Yeah, and and uh, you know, since since we are on on this innovation, and since we talked about you know Sundar Pichai and all, so how how mm. we is, I think we we both may be biased, um, uh, since you know we are not from the same country. But what is yeah. your your take on you know Sundar Pichai or how what is the significant change that you are seeing in in Google? You know, due to the CEO. I mean, I. I I agree that most of the times it doesn't affect most of our lives one or the and immediately or um, you know for, for the most part it's mostly at the at the very much higher level that we don't even you know most of the times care about um but just just curious to understand uh, but it can significantly change the type of mindset uh, of a people or maybe can you know uh, that everyone's attention to some you know sort of you know, maybe, you know, because sometimes, you know, we're talking, you know, I 
see the picture i was talking about uh, you know being little more you know entrepreneurial or uh, you know trying something innovative and and stuff like that so what what has changed in the google in the past few years i think since you are there right yeah yeah i mean i mean see technically i joined after sundar pichai became yeah. the ceo so i haven't seen sundar pichai era right yeah. so I, i i don't have any you know personal point of reference there yeah. you know but but one thing which i will definitely tell you is yeah. i think as of and like like right now i think google has close to 200000 people that's a mm. big company you know yeah and like managing a 200000 people company is not easy right like yeah. i don't think anybody can really keep each and every person happy sure. in some sense i i just don't think that's realistic right no yeah. matter what your policy is there might be certain people who will disagree with you and that's yep. fine you know but overall i think if you ask a random googler what they think about sundar pichai i think my hunch is that they would mostly have a positive outlook you know like i don't think uh, like okay like for example coming from amazon right like like again like not not something like too personal here but like there were certain people who worked at amazon who did not hold a favorable view of jeff bezos right especially in the warehousing uh, department like at least that's what i would see in the media again there's yeah. this very small minority but it's a very vocal minority so you True, hear okay. about yeah. right yeah. you don't hear about the silent majority right yeah. but then i think similar to that like i think the average googler is pretty happy with sundar pichai like there have been certain decisions which have been taken in the past few years which have been a bit controversial to say the least mm-hmm. but then i think they they are they are just a part of google sure. becoming a massive company you know like yeah. like let's say the culture that you can apply to a company with only 2000 people is not really applicable to a company that has 200000 people yeah. it's just not right there have yeah. to be certain changes made and i think they were just made and Yeah. Sure. But overall I think it's been pretty okay. Cool. Makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Um th- and I can I can totally see that as well. Uh at least from the you know uh, high level uh, on from the outside. So mm. th- th- that's cool. Uh and uh, So we have this internal charges <laughs> man. We have this internal joke around Sundar Pichai. So he 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 often uses this word thoughtful a lot, you know, that we want to be thoughtful. We make products thoughtful. and says so like sundar pichai is thoughtful okay he puts a lot of thought in pretty much any decision that he takes and that's a good thing being yeah. thoughtful is good than being reckless oh uh, that that's that's for sure don't be evil and just be thoughtful like this uh that's another that's another aspect to googliness maybe yes yeah. i mean and again like no matter what you decide you the, like you can't keep everyone happy there'll always oh, sure. be this faction which will be unhappy by whatever you decide agree so to live with that yeah that, that that totally makes sense um because i mean it's it's with anything in life you can't make everyone happy yeah. uh, be a ceo or be you know just just in the family or right in, in be you know take take any single you know instance you can't make anyone every, everyone happy it's always a exactly. what is the most optimal or the best thing to do cool uh, and and okay. you know see i'm i'm curious to understand you know you have been at google uh, for 5 years and this is the only company that you worked at so um yeah. for the most part yeah like so what what is next for you don't you so um 
feel like uh, moving to a different company or in the sense maybe startup because i think startup is the next cool thing for most googlers that is true i mean but see my my perspective is also like see right now the job market is quite uncertain right sure. we are in like the waters are not calm right there's a lot of turmoil yeah. in the waters and so at this point like say startups are nice they they can be very yeah. rewarding but then on the other hand they also come with a ton of immigration issues right sure. so i am a person on h1b visa right and so considering that and my family like right now see i like the work that i've been doing has been pretty exciting right yep. it's not like i've been working on the same project i've worked on yep. multiple projects over the years right and as of right now i'm pretty happy with whatever work i'm doing and so at this point i don't think i want to rock the boat enough and go to a startup where there might be immigration issues or even potential layoffs because of the recession and the economy exactly you know yeah. and i would rather be safe in this environment but who knows once the waters calm a bit maybe in a couple of years you know yeah maybe a startup maybe not we'll see <laughs> yeah yeah makes sense uh, because i think this h1b is such a such a bottleneck to um i agree right? or or no even switching the companies itself is very painful and and whenever exactly. these waters are not calm you know even if we think that our job is stable again we somehow have a yep. thought in the back of our mind that is it really stable so i agree um, it's always there yeah it's it's been such a such a painful process but it is what it is uh, hopefully i was hoping some things to change you know by one or the other administration but you know it's like yeah. it's like one of those I, election I, agendas and which never gets addressed they right. don't care sure. they don't yeah, care they, yeah right. they pay lip service to it but nobody cares unfortunately <laughs> that's the reality exactly you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is um but but my question on this is you know let's say you want to you know or you're going to a startup or you want mm. to start your own company uh so what what is what are the things that you can take from your current work, work experience at google you know beat culture or beat certain processes that you want to that you see that I google see. does the best and you want to um, you know implement in in the startup because for example if you look at you know if you take my perspective currently you know that prfk is super mm-hmm, cool mm-hmm. that i want to definitely yeah. want to take away with me so what are those what yeah. are those certain things that can you will take away from google when it comes to startup yeah again yeah that's a very good question so yeah again, i i haven't really thought about that so sure. i'm going to attempt Just... to answer that right now okay like i don't have yeah. anything prepared yet right yeah but based on my experience like the open culture is something which i really love you know like mm-hmm. i get it there are some downsides to that but all yeah. in all giving people the freedom to pretty much work on anything they want even if it's not the, their main job or their main project I think that's a very powerful thing which can you know act as a force multiplier. Another mm-hmm. thing is like the whole let's say the performance review process at Google is pretty nice like I think I like it and in fact mm-hmm. a lot of companies including Facebook they basically copied whatever Google did you know yeah. because it was all staffed by ex googlers <laughs> they brought the culture there and it yep. has served those companies well as well you know yeah in terms of the technology like again like not just open culture but open yep. code at least within the company right like mm-hmm. i know there are companies like apple where each team has its own code base and so that requires a lot of you know wheel reinvention because each team mm-hmm. has to write certain common logic whereas in code yeah. pretty much the whole of code base 
is this monolithic repo, right? With certain very, you know, sensitive code being siloed down where only need to know people can access it. But most code is open, right? Like I can yeah. go and look into Android code. I can see, yeah. I can even change it if I want, right? Like I can yeah. send a patch to the Android team and if they like it, then it will be live in the next version, yeah. right? So that's something which I definitely love. It's like when nice. you establish a solid base, which mm -hmm. every team can use, then yeah. that also, I think, helps development quite a bit. Yeah, that's definitely, I can, I can totally see why um, and, and, and what else. Or is that it? So I mean, in terms mostly... of processes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I'm just saying in terms of processes, like similar to your PR FAQ, right? Like this bullpen presentation, like I love the concept. I'm sure every company would have a version of that, but I've yeah. never worked anywhere else. So I don't have that reference. I can yeah. just assume that where, you know, you, that the senior leadership can just go and shred a project, you know, like just shred <laughs> yeah. it apart until yeah. it cannot be shredded apart. And at that point, <laughs> yeah. you know, you have a pretty solid idea, you know? Yeah. Make, makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing it. Uh, I think the open culture, open code, obviously I am surprised Apple doesn't have it, uh, but uh, maybe they have their own reasons, which we may not understand, but yeah, I, I can, I can yeah, see exactly. why, Again, yeah, I can see why it's important. Anything. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and all the processes. Yeah. Makes sense. And then how about the, all the perks, man? Oh my, I'm so jealous <laughs> of Google's perks. <laughs> At Amazon, we, you know, there is this, yeah, at Amazon, we have this joke, right? Bananas, right? So, because all you get is bananas at work. I thought that was literally a joke okay. until last week. I've seen that they're actually distributing bananas in at a truck. And, and, and we all, even the leadership jokes about it, uh, in a, some or the other way, <laughs> like, okay, you are literally doing it. Oh my God. And that's all we get. That's all the food that we yeah. get. At, uh, um, at Amazon, um, yeah. but at Google, oh, I'm so jealous of, of all the perks that I mean, the Google perks are, gets. Yeah. The perks are definitely good, you know? So we have this concept of micro kitchens, right? Where they're stocked with your coffee machines and snacks and fruits and all that stuff, like sodas yeah. and all. And I think they actually make this, like they, they take care that whenever they design a new building, no desk is more than I think something like 150 or 160 feet away from some micro kitchen. Oh okay. They want to make sure that that's the maximum you have to walk to get a snack, you know, yeah. in some sense, there's, again, don't quote me on the exact number, but sure. it's yeah. some number like that. And I definitely like that culture, but yeah. like, you know, to be very honest, I have to comment that there's a downside to it as well. Yeah, sure. yeah. See, they're not giving you these perks out of the kindness in their hearts. Sure. I mean, some of it is there. But in yeah. the end, that in the end, you know, it, it keeps engineers more at work more, more because they feel like everything is being taken care of at work. They get food, you know, they get, yeah. let's say, laundry service. We also have like car wash where, you know, like they'll come and they'll wash your car and all wow. that. So, yes. So in some sense, it's very nice, but it can also, you know, start eating in your, let's say, mm. actual life as well. So you want to make yeah. sure that you balance the perks out and then you yeah. don't like, you know, forget your actual life because of those perks. Yeah. In a way, you know, you want employees to definitely work and be more productive, but it's not that. Yeah. It's not something that should be running in your mind 24 by seven, right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. Cool. Um, and then one last question, you know, I, since mm -hmm. we spoke about all, all the good things, 
I just want to understand what is like what are the couple of things that NSU you at Google only if you can answer or if you want to answer uh <laughs> oh, what annoys me at Google well off late that's what right like off late there have been certain changes as Google has grown you know and then sometimes you just get these canned answers that that you just call corpse speak right where yeah. people have some legitimate concerns but then they just have a prepared answer to that and again i feel yeah. like it's because of the scale. maybe that is the way to handle a 200000 people you know company yeah. but that that can get a bit annoying but overall so, i i don't think i have that much to complain from people, yeah. to be very honest this nice and, oh. yeah overall i'm pretty happy like i actually like in working in google especially in, in my search team like the work life balance has been pretty great right like that nice. haven't because again i've never been on on call there yeah. so that also helps right so there haven't been any instances where i had to work where i didn't want to work you know yep. if i worked late or if i worked on the weekends sometimes it's because i was myself interested in and i yeah. was engrossed in the problem not because i was in some sense required to And yeah. that that definitely helps. That's not an annoyance. <laughs> That's yeah, just yeah. a gratitude. True, true. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it it is. It is incredible that you don't have much. to say uh, or again you know in, in for this particular question that that's cool um and 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 good for you for for the most part um it seems like it's uh, it has been such a such an amazing experience which is which is great so i you know i want to end with one final question aitya i think i mean this okay. is something that i ask every one of the guests on the on the podcast actually sorry before uh, we go there sorry hmm? like if you don't mind me asking what are some of your annoyances from amazon <laughs> like i want to know uh, <laughs> okay uh putting me on the spot Apart which from I, the which, banana thing i know the free food or the coffee is you know i'm i'm really annoyed by that because i i, I would ex- at least expect that from such a big company right perks are you know all time low uh, that that is a really a big annoyance uh, and particularly you know the word frugality i mean there is we follow that you know to the bottom so i mean i can see why it is important for a company but that doesn't mean that it should come at a cost of an employee satisfaction or the productivity right and I and see. even at even at some other companies that i worked i worked at capital one you know which is fairly a medium company uh, and it's a bank you know at least i got like great food uh, and and you know much time to hang out with others or you know it's it's been great but at amazon and i haven't been to the office much as well because i you know it's been right. i was hired in the last two two years but still perks really annoys me and you know uh, and obviously maybe the pay can be a little better uh, compared to other fang <laughs> <laughs> uh that that's uh, that's that's another thing um and i think even the stock wasting you know that that isn't i see um, ploy friendly uh in my opinion what is and, the schedule uh so it's four years um first year you get 5% 15% and then 40% 40% so oh yeah, yeah. they want to maximize employee retention for sure and then whatever you get in these four years then it will be scheduled you know post um those four years so which means that the longer you stay you are you Wait, really so have to no, stick to it hmm? 
Yes, but then there are no refreshes in those. Yeah, the ref- there is like there's a there, is, there are refreshers, I think, but the way yeah, th- even yeah. their vesting yes. is the same too. So you will have to got stay it, post four yeah, years. Yeah, um, <laughs> get, um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and and the current annoying factor is, you know, I'm I'm past my two years, so which means that this is the time I waste my stocks, and stock is like what thirty forty percent down. Like, oh my oh, god! Oh, I know. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that, the that, case I mean, with that's, every that's, tech company, same you know, as Google, yeah. same as any other yeah. tech. Company. Yeah, yeah. Um, Unfortunately, <laughs> true. Which we can't do much about it. Um, no. But yeah, on and all, I think for Amazon, um, I think it's it's been great you know, for me, because, um, I've seen, if you talk, you know, the silent majority, the term that you use, right. I think it is even greater yeah. at Amazon and exactly. they don't talk much about the goods of Amazon. But if you look at the other, most other people that who talk are mostly annoyed by Amazon and they, they talk out real loud, uh, or maybe, yep, maybe yep. I haven't explored the Amazon culture enough, I guess. Um, but, but yeah, no, so, I think that's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it's been great. I think, uh, I really love those leadership principles in a way from a company standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, because of, you know, yeah. maybe from, for a startup or for a new company, I can totally see why it, it can work well. Um, but from employee standpoint, I think Amazon can do a lot better in, in many ways, starting with perks, but maybe, maybe, you know, work-life balance can be a little better for certain, com- you know, teams, I guess, but I think at least in mm-hmm. prime uh, things have been so better uh, there is so much emphasis on work life balance or you know we get a one one monthly one day off first friday off for for a team so which which i obviously enjoy so i mean there are good sides to it but uh, when it comes to annoyances it's mostly the perks for me so far and i think even even the promo culture is also a little more intense and i see uh, uh hectic because it's all documentation driven and there is so much criteria that you need to meet and document. And, you know, I've seen some engineers, it's, it's not always great because the, you have to show the, you know, cross team or cross company, you know, collaboration, at least cross org, you have to work with multiple teams and then you need to show the impact across the org to get promoted. I think that's that's not really great because there are some engineers who want to stick to their own domain and do a great job with it. Right. I've seen people too. Um, but you are really ask you you know you're really asking introverts to be extroverts and just leave. Yeah, them. that's I mean, hard. Yeah, that that's really hard. I mean, sure. I mean, I understand that you want if if they are growing, maybe you know, if they are on the path to path to the leadership. I can totally see why you have that. But if you're, you know, from yeah. SD standpoint, it doesn't always have to be yes. that cross team collaboration is such, you know, important because I mean, right. not everyone can do it because I've seen some great engineers struggling with it. Um, and I can, I can I understand why, but, but yeah, it, it varies. I think it can be a little better there. Hmm. Yeah, and lately yeah. I'm also, you I, know, annoyed with, uh, sorry, go ahead, go on. No, 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 go on, please. Yeah, with some of the, um, you know, public announcements, right? All, you know, you there is so much pay hike at Amazon, you know, it's 
it it has i mean i think <laughs> it is it has been very deceiving uh, to the least that i can say that oh yeah know. there's no pay hike right there is the ceiling of the max Ex- exactly it's and and different from pay hike exactly and and there is some you know uh, announcements that hey you may get the hike and stuff like that but okay you know let's not get into details but that has in that that yeah. most people feel you know it has been you know deceiving and i think Law, there is there has that. been a good churn rate you, have, you might have seen some of the articles mm. too there the churn rate has been high lately in the, in the past one or two years too i see yeah which can okay. you know which which all this can add up but nonetheless i had you know su- yeah, such a yeah. such a great time um, so far yeah of course see okay. again no company or any organization is perfect right the pros there are cons as long as for you personally the pros outweigh the cons exactly while I think so, I think yeah. that's that's one thing that we all should be understanding. It, yeah. it depends on a person if pros are outweighing. It, that's that's all you need. You cannot expect hundred percent satisfaction. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. just not possible. It's it's not possible exactly. And it's 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 the same thing with anything in life. It's hundred percent satisfaction in anything is yeah. not possible. <laughs> beat beat marriage or beat. Uh, a job or a game or take, take anything uh, it it's 100% is something that we can uh, man expect yeah cool life um, is a big optimization problem you can only try to maximize things like maximize I, satisfaction but you can never reach complete satisfaction exactly uh, that that's just not possible unless you try you know you take the path of you know spiritual path or be a yogi or things like that even that is not so that, that is its own thing that's its own thing you know only that i think that is when we can be a little more calm and you know we can maybe peace maybe. at certain point i we don't know that but yeah apart from that yeah. it's yeah it, whatever you can optimize that is pretty much it and yeah find exactly. a way to maximize but you cannot have everything <laughs> yeah yeah and and yeah coming to and By the way, thanks for putting me on the spot. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Uh, uh, and and yeah, the last question is: Can you help us learn something in two minutes? That took very long time for you to learn. Hmm. Now you put me on the spot there. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I got to come back. You know. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Like okay. So one thing. Okay, so one thing which took me a fair amount of time to learn. I mean, to be very honest, not because particularly it's hard. It's because, to be honest, I didn't have much use of it until yeah. you know, until I did. Mm-hmm. It's like, in some sense, like advanced machine learning. You mm-hmm. know, like like you go through college and all, and you go through the basics. You know how to build simple neural networks and k-means yeah. or whatever, right? but then the advanced part like similar to like big language models and all like they're fairly complex and like yeah. in some sense anybody can use these frameworks right like tensorflow or pytorch yeah. to really build those things but understanding right yeah. like like building existing architectures is simple when you know what you need to build because it's just writing code it stacks yep. up those layers but yep. in some sense inventing new architectures to do your thing yeah. or, or rather in some sense also feature engineering 
right? Yeah. Because a lot of people think once you have data, you just put a neural net at it, like <laughs> just throw a neural net at it, and it's just gonna work. That's not yeah. really the case. You still need yeah. old-fashioned feature engineering to maximize the bang for your buck. And yeah. I just feel like that took me a fair amount of time to learn as mm-hmm. to how can we really create new, uh, you know, let's say. ML architectures and how do we really feature engineer? Because I feel like feature engineering is purely an art because that yeah. does require quite a bit staring at the data to see yeah. your own patterns, yeah. like see the patterns on the data yourself, and then trying to do something which can you know improve the model's chances of picking it up. Yeah. Again, I, as I said, I'm just like mentioning what I learned. It's impossible to really explain those concepts sure. yeah. yep. in two yeah, minutes. Can, yeah. But yes, yeah, I think yeah, that, that that took me fair amount of time. Gotcha. And and I I can second that because you know I did some uh, you know machine learning nano degrees to to get the hang of it. Yeah, it it's right. very complex and you know and basically use usage is. easy right at least these days with all these pytorcher you know some of the libraries that are available out there it's easy to use but you can't really use it optimally if you can't feature engineer you know better mm. and also you need to understand exactly. the framework to to extend to a certain extent and particularly you know if you're talking about inventing new architectures and all that's that's a whole different you know yes. complexity involved yes. that's a whole and different you, complexity yeah yes. and the math behind it i don't think i can probably get a hang of it this in this life at least i don't think i i i don't <laughs> think i fully get the hang of it either but i can understand well enough to do that but maybe no. if you yeah maybe i don't even know that on a deep scale so i mean yeah. maybe this is too technical but i don't know if you're aware of this p equals np problem mm, not do not you really know about that it's a very no. famous okay it's a very famous problem in computer science right uh-huh. so say, you have say certain again. class of algorithms called p equals np oh okay okay yeah yeah, yeah. just google search for yeah, p know, equals know, yeah, yeah. np right it's yeah, a very yeah, famous this, yeah. problem do you know yeah, about it yeah. yeah 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 okay perfect so i always think this right it's like once let's say an architecture has been developed right like mm-hmm. let it be anything like earlier just neural nets then you have convolutional neural nets and you have mm-hmm. resnets and lstms right once a architecture has been invented it's very easy for people to pick it up you know it's like mm-hmm. verifying the np part it's like if you give an algorithm if you give a verification it's very easy to follow that and do it but inventing yep. a new one or or rather forget inventing a completely new one but adapting an existing architecture for your needs where it's not yeah. in its vanilla form i think yeah. that is hard i i always say that it's np hard because yeah. coming up with that is very hard very once somebody has done that verifying whether it works is easy implementing yep. that is easy but coming it up for the first time is hard uh, i i totally agree it, you know it's it's like those inventions right um for example you know take it a bulb or, or you know electricity or something we can probably up, understand and apply it in various cases but coming yeah. up with that idea or you know innovation exactly I think it's it, 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 hard. Yes. Just, just hard. It'll be hard. Yeah. I, I even have a more. Yes, I even yeah. have a more fundamental example here. Right? Cool. Like, take calculus. Like, yeah. at this point, like in India, right? You learn calculus in ninth and tenth standard. Like, <laughs> yeah. kids can do differentiation, integration, and all. 
Yeah. But then it took a genius like Isaac Newton to invent the field. Like up until yeah. that, nobody had thought of, I mean, there were people who had thought about it, but it took a genius to properly, formally invent it, right? Agreed. Yeah. And I guess some of your viewers might be upset with me if I don't mention Leibniz, but let's give both of them the credit because sure. there's still some controversy on who really invented it. Yeah, but yeah. my point is that right now, once it's been invented, Kids yep. in eighth and ninth and tenth standard can really apply the concepts, but could can they invent that? Probably not. <laughs> so it's yep. very similar to that. Exactly, and 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 it takes a lot, and particularly I think you know we cannot also expect ourselves to invent unless we that's our life mm. purpose, right? Because yes. because purpose. you mm-hmm. yeah you really have to spend like at least, you know, 18 hours a day, or it, it's, if not, you know, that has to be your own, your job, like day in and day out, if you want to get right. at least to the bottom of it, right. But for us, you know, we mm-hmm. have like so many other things that we need to take care. Uh, so to the, yes. to the best, at least, if we can find a way mm. to use it optimally and improve certain things in a much better fashion, which can help many others down the line is the best we can yeah. do. I, I believe it is in my opinion. I agree. No, no, yeah. I fully agree with you. Like striking a balance is, is, is very important in life. Yep. In, some yep. sense. In, in anything, in job, in life, in any aspect of job, yep. balance is the key. Exactly. But, but yeah, hopefully at some point we will be able to make sense of all these, uh, you know, machine learning or some, some of the yeah. architecturally complex problems and, and hopefully if not solve it, be, be part of something that, um, or some work that really solves it, I guess. We'll see. We'll see yes, how that I goes. Um, I mean, there is some effort going on. Like even at Google, yeah. we have teams who are researching this understandable machine learning, right? Which is like mm-hmm. at this point, neural nets and all, they're just these black boxes, right? Yeah. Data goes in, data comes <laughs> out. But then they're yeah. trying to figure out ways and techniques to really yeah. do this attribution that, okay, because of this part in the data, this part got triggered and this is because this was the output. So yeah, yeah, that understandable and debuggable machine learning systems, I believe are the next frontier in ML. And I think there are a lot of smart people already working on it. Yeah, yeah, hopefully that people can make more sense of it uh, in the the near future, because (laughs) that's such a hard hard problem to solve. And I think this is another area where you know, innovation is a lot of innovation is coming from Google, but may not be just being be noticed because this is mostly in the tech circles uh, uh, that, you know, all this, yes. you know, neural networks are all the machine learning aspects that are coming out of yes. Google are super incredible. Um, and uh, yeah, and I think it's, it's making so many other products so much great. It's just that we may not be seeing as a product yes. or, you know, yeah, directly yeah. there's person. no direct implication directly as a product. I, I agree. Yep. And yep. then, yeah, like in closing, I think like Google is a great place. I don't know if you know Jeffrey Hinton. Do you know who he is? No. So Jeffrey Hinton was one of the initial inventors of the neural net. Like he invented mm. back propagation back in the 70s and 80s. Okay. Gotcha. And, and, and he, in fact, works at Google mm. right now. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. He works at Google and, and I'll tell you this, like one time I was waiting in a cafe trying to get a sandwich and he was in line behind me. 
Wow. So that's the kind of place, right? Where like I yeah. just like yeah, he was just standing behind me patiently in line waiting to get his sandwich. And he's yeah. the guy who invented neural nets in some sense. Wow. Wow. Did, did you I mean, do you know that I mean, in the sense you could recognize that person? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and plus, uh, we also have that badge, right, visible at all times. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Okay, that, but that yes, I, I, I could have recognized him. That uh, helps too. But yes, nice. I could have recognized him. Yeah. Yep, yep, makes sense. But yeah, I think, you know, uh, Onindal, it's really a great place to work. Um, and that is one of my, you know, target places to work for as well. I know, uh, you know, it may not... You know, saying it here out loud is, is <laughs> might not be... Uh, go well in in all circles but uh i mean i i can't lie either um maybe at some day or some point no, no, uh, we never know um but yes. but yeah uh, it's, it's such a great place and and i think the work that you have been doing is so great and touching every query uh, is you know so, that sort of work is something that i can only imagine doing uh, that i really want to do at some point um right. but yeah thanks for doing all the incredible job and and really Thank you. thankful you know for sharing your opinions here and all the information uh, and i think i i got some sense of what I, you know what i'm looking for and i you know this conversation has been lot more interactive and lot more delightful than what i expected so th- thank you for okay. that idea <laughs> thanks of for course, that of course yeah yeah of course well, uh, to be here this was yeah this was a nice conversation right? exactly so in general you wouldn't believe i'm mostly an introvert but then mm-hmm. when you when i get going on on a topic that i'm you know excited about and i'm passionate about then you don't feel that oh uh, yeah i i didn't okay. feel that maybe at the beginning i i you know i was trying to gush uh, but i never got the feeling that you are an introvert right. at all and and and, and I, this is how i want to you know keep my podcast as well and i'm still learning you know this is very early days of it mm. but the goal is so this is a great idea exactly just just do the conversation not not like you know interview where you have like these questions and you exactly. really want the data and some some nonsense you want to, uh, so that you can maximize <laughs> the virality so i am i'm not yeah. for all that even if it helps like you know 10 yeah. people or if it excites some people to work at google or you know work in a tech company i think that's still a big win big win for us and uh, and on top of it i'm learning a lot Absolutely. right so which is which is very yeah yeah great, great for me i think me. that's the um, main point right like yep. you, you, i'm sure like yeah as i said like okay this 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 podcast is a great idea you know exactly. and yeah you'll you'll i'm sure you'll meet tons of people from all diverse walks of life and that yep. would be great for you and i'll i'll definitely be you know i'll be following your podcast sure yeah thanks for that and and what? um yeah uh true that you know that um trying you know i'm getting really getting opportunity to meet and talk to various diverse talk on diverse mm. topics with diverse minds which is which is very interesting and and yeah and, and you know hanging out with people and particularly in tech you know like like yourself right it's always a delight and if we do this i don't think we will do the same conversation offline or it will be so different um, <laughs> so you I know agree. this is this is just a place to be open and and you know even the name of my podcast right be open and authentic just just have the exactly. conversation yeah yeah Yeah. and i think i think we should do a couple of more uh, particularly uh, you know maybe because this is such a high level maybe we can do something on interviews where targeting sure to head you know to help college kids learn the programming the right way because that is mm. my really goal to crack that code because 
you know just to give you just to give you some background right um yeah I, my bachelor's was in industry electronics and master's was in industrial engineering okay. i had no intention of becoming a programmer in, i explicitly had that you know opinion like i'm not becoming a programmer here i am um, <laughs> <laughs> so and and i really learned the hard way you know doing all those coursera courses and everything i learned by myself via books or the courses so which is also not always right so and you know at some point you know meet really helped me to get a hang of all these interviews and you know help me nice. get into amazon so it i mean i got some good circle to you know to get some help and i was able to figure out most of the things but i don't think i did the right way i mean that's because i had to pretty much figure out by myself so i really want to break this into simplistic simplistic terms where right. people can really think from the right point of view which is very important in in the coding interviews or in just general things in life like like you you said your professor really taught you that to approach the problem in the right way so that is something right. that we really need to do you know for for many people uh, right because that just like that makes you know uh, life of many people very easy and and mm. and coding itself shouldn't be such a hard thing to you know get into any anyone can do it but you just have to learn the right way if you if you go the other way you'll you know the life is going to be hell you know you'll be you'll be doing some <laughs> half ass shit throughout the life so which is also not great um <laughs> so and and i believe i i do it on some some point because i take some time to figure out you know certain things that i have been really learned so i i am you know i'm 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 a culprit too but still i want to learn and i also want to help many others to learn and think from the right stand you know right point of view so maybe maybe we can do more content on that i can totally see um that will add Absolutely. a lot of value for us yeah sure cool. sure yeah i would love to be a return guest in some time perfect yeah we will definitely plan for it uh, and again uh, th- and also thanks for being so flexible i know we planned for like hour hour 15 now it's like 2 hours and i didn't even realize i know um yeah yeah that's fine yeah uh so cool Th- thanks for that idea um and yeah talk to you soon then uh, have a have a wonderful night yeah talk to you later it's great yeah bye bye yeah yeah thank you bye bye bye